You know, I had a couple of nightmares about coming back today. <laughs> I had, um, you know, last night I was thinking, because I've been bumping into people, we've been in the mount for the last month, and people keep saying to us, you guys are just so relaxed, you seem so relaxed. And then last night I was like, oh no, does that mean I talk slow? Is this message going to go on forever? Um, so hopefully it doesn't. Um, I hopefully I'm speaking at an acceptable pace. Um, and then I had this other bad dream that Joel convinced me that we needed to now power dress for Sundays. And so then we walk into church and he's wearing the most horrific beige suit that's like just ill-fitting. And I was way overdressed and I just, and, and I woke up in the sweats, you know, because I was so mad that he convinced me to do something so dumb. But here I am, appropriately dressed, and I think it's, we're okay, we're okay, everything's, we're all good, we're all good. Uh, lots of people have been asking us, what's it been like, this sabbatical, what's it been like? And I think the only thing I can liken it with is that we hopped on some wild ride nine years ago, full of ups and downs and twists and turns, and, and it was like it all of a sudden stopped at this calm and quiet place and we were let off with, you know, demands and deadlines and responsibilities had been our, you know, close companions and it was like all of a sudden that ceased and all we had was the demands of family and it was a little bewildering actually <laughs> to just stand there and go, whoa, we've got all of this time and it's just been amazing, like God has refreshed us, He has brought healing, He has undone things, restored, and it's just been the most amazing journey to be on. And we couldn't have done it without just such an incredible staff and an incredible team. And so I just wanted to honour our staff, and in particular Renee and Hayden and Tony. So would you guys just give them a massive round of applause? Yeah, let's do that, honestly. They're incredible. <laughs> really incredible. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, another thing people have been asking us is, what did you learn? Well, Charlie and I learned a little Spanish, so we're getting there. You know, muy poco Spanish. Yeah, we're getting there. And um, I learned to manu. My son's taught me how to manu. And I've got a pretty decent splash for somebody my size, I have to say. Um, it's not like there's definite room for improvement, but it's not embarrassing, you know. Um, bigger splash than Joel's by far. So that was kind of great. Um, we worked out that he just doesn't bend because you really need to pull yourself in to do a good manu. And just I'm just better than you at it. So yeah, just whatever. It just is what it is. So that's that. Um, and what else did I learn? I think the most important thing that I learned and the thing that stood out by far is that I learned that I was like a degree off when it came to something quite crucial and quite foundational in my faith. See, I have yet to, found, yet to find a religion that has a personal God that loves us not for what we can do, but just who we are. It's pretty amazing. That it's not earning, it's not what we do makes us acceptable to Him. It's just who we are. It's amazing. And I knew that. 
And I think I'd be worried for you if I didn't know that, if your pastor didn't know that. I knew that. But I tell you, there's a difference between knowing and knowing. See, when we know with our head, it's knowledge. But when we know with our heart, it becomes this, it becomes part of us. It becomes wisdom that we live out of. It becomes the way we live and the way we see. And so I knew this, I had this knowledge, but I didn't know it. And it took stopping. It took, it took taking away my ability to serve God in all of the ways that I have been doing for years. And it took taking that away for me to realize that I actually sought so much affection in God by the things that I did for Him. And this made me think about you guys, <laughs> this wonderful Beautiful, diverse church, diverse in culture, in experience, in story, young and old, some new to your faith, some have been walking this faith journey for a while, and you all have your own lives, you all have your own families, your own challenges, your own things going on. And I thought, Lord, if, if I who kind of, you know, study and do this faith thing for a living, if I could be so close yet so far on something that is so incredibly crucial, then is it possible that there are so many sitting here today that are so close yet so far? And so I wrote this message for you. And you might have heard this New Testament instruction before, but I just want to tell you, it's not enough to just know it. It's not enough to just have knowledge of the things of God. And so my prayer is that today through this message, that the Word of God would actually transcend past your mind and would go deep into your heart and that you would really grab a hold of it so that it wouldn't become something that you know, but a way that you live, a way that you see. And so this message is based on Romans 8, 3 verse 4 and Galatians 5 verse 16. So I'm going to read those to you, then we're going to pray. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. I'm going to highlight this part. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, I thank you that when we know your word, when we know your truth, and when we can not just know it, but really know it, God, it can change the way we see and do everything, Lord. It has the ability to redefine what is possible. It has the ability to bring life into our weakest places. It has the ability to set us on a course that will take us to the future that you have for us. 
And so, Lord, I pray today that you would guide us in this word. And Jesus, as always, would you be glorified, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you like to take notes, you can write the war within us. The war within us. Don't you guys find it annoying? I do. That we have these contradicting thoughts within us. We have contradicting thoughts. Do any of you have that sometimes? It's like you think one thing and then you think something else and they contradict each other. I think what's more annoying than contradicting thoughts is actually contradicting desires. When it's like, I have the, for example, I have a desire to be healthy. I have a desire to exercise. I have a desire to eat well. I have a desire to unplug from the things of the web. But then I've got these other desires within me. And they desire me to sit down on the couch and watch Netflix with sugary carbs. (laughs) You know? And they coexist. It's like, how can I have these desires that are opposed to each other? How can I have these thoughts that are opposed to each other? And I think too many times I have seen people that follow God, that are trying to follow God, draw the wrong conclusion from the struggle that they experience and they think that they're the only ones. They think that they're alone in the wrestle and they think that they're not cut out for this whole Christian walk. But here's the truth. Every single person around you has a wrestle within them. You might not be able to see it because it's happening internally, but they do. We all have this war within us. We all do. And so don't be discouraged if that's, if that's how you're feeling. What's at stake in this war? Well, the future that you dream of to start with. I mean, unless you dream of a future which is far from what God has for you, unless you dream of that, But if you dream of having a future that God has for you, then that's at stake in this wrestle. Do you know your spiritual growth is at stake in this war? Whether you, every year as you blow out your candles, are a little bit more like Christ or not is at stake in this wrestle. And this wrestle is between flesh and spirit. And the stakes are high. And because I'm a visual learner, And some of you might be too. In order to try and help understand this a little bit more, I just need two volunteers. I just need two women, whatever. Renee, Kirsten, you're in the front. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Welcome them up. Great. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing people. Okay, so how am I going to do this? Okay, so Renee is Renee. All right, and I want you to imagine that, so this is you, right? Yeah. And I am going to be Renee's flesh. Dang. And Kirsten is going to be the spirit. Okay, so so Renee, (laughs) so Renee, when I talk about, this is Renee's soul. So the soul is in the middle of this battle. The soul is what is in the middle of this war. So this is you. And so this is Renee's mind. It's the way she thinks. It's her personality. It's her soul. It's her heart. It's her emotions. That's Renee. That's you, right? 
Okay, and now here I am, the flesh, and I'm not talking about like the physical body that houses the, that houses your soul. I'm talking about the flesh. I'm talking. I wrote it down, and so I'm just going to read it out because I think I did quite well at describing it. It is the rebellious part of our inner self that is operating all the time. It is the part of us that does not want to be told what to do. It is stubborn. It refuses correction and does not want to have a thing to do with God. It hates limits and rules, even if they're good for us. It despises anything that might cause us to be less than the centre of the universe. The flesh hates to be under authority, to have to yield to anything other than its own wishes and desires. So that's our flesh. And then we have the spirit. Now, this is not to be confused. Sometimes the scripture refers to us as having a spirit. But actually, it's most um, theologians would agree that when it's ta- referring to the spirit in the scripture of us having a spirit, it's actually referring to like our soul, our inner world. And so the spirit that Galatians is talking about, this war between flesh and spirit is not our spirit. This is actually the spirit of God. And so before we know Jesus, before we put our faith in Him and believe in Him, it's actually just Renee in the flesh. She makes great decisions. (laughs) But when she begins a relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden the Spirit is here. Does that make sense? Now, the cool part about the Spirit is the Spirit actually has enough power and just the enough like great leadership ability to be able to pull us away from the massive pull of the flesh in the world and give effective leadership to lead us into where God has for us. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys can go. Thank you very much. So we must know that it is never neutral. It is never ever neutral. The spirit is opposed to the flesh, and the flesh is opposed to God. Never neutral. You know, I was talking to one of my boys, and I said, I was asking him about this wrestle, and I said, do you have this wrestle? Do you recognize it? And he said, yes. And he said, but mostly, I just don't know the difference between my voice and God's voice. And I was like, you know what? I think we are all like that where we want to know that we know that we know when the Spirit is talking to us. I've been watching this new series called New Amsterdam, which is this great medical drama. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. I love it. And anyway, there was this one episode that was all about these people who were dying, and they would die unless they received a new organ, got an organ transplant. And so they got these organ transplants, this organ that was there to bring life into their body. They were about to die without it. But what is really interesting is that the body then sees this new organ as foreign. And so it starts to try to reject it. And so these people, these organ donor recipients, they then have to take anti-rejection medicine for the rest of their life. And isn't it interesting that the Spirit begins His journey in us as foreign? And when the Spirit enters our life, the flesh goes to work at trying to reject the Spirit in our life. And the flesh will never stop trying to reject the Spirit in your life. Will never stop. This is not something that God takes from us. And if you want to do more reading, you can read in Romans 7, Apostle Paul. He talks about this wrestle that he, he longs for God to take it from him, but he doesn't. 
And, but the most amazing thing is He gives us a way to live within it. So just like the organ recipients have to take this daily anti-rejection medication, we do too. So the only way to get to know what the Spirit sounds like, the only way to continue to turn away from the flesh and turn towards the Spirit is to know what the Spirit sounds like. And I've found in my life, the more that I have read in Scripture, the more that I give the Spirit to work with. So on a daily basis, the Spirit can bring Scripture to mind that is so relevant to what I'm going through at that, in that moment. And so our anti-rejection medication that we need to take daily is prayer and the Word of God. The control we give, this is how we give control to the Spirit. Here's one of the ways that I have learned to distinguish between flesh and spirit. So the flesh will always ask less of us. So remembering that our soul is the one in the middle, our soul is the one in this battle that they're trying to get our soul's attention and our soul's surrender. And, and so the flesh and, and in our soul always wants more. You were created to long for more. So if you've got this longing in your soul, that's God-given. And I believe He put that there so that we wouldn't settle for less than what He has for us. And so we've got this craving for more. And our flesh goes, hey, I can give you that more without it costing you much. And the Spirit is very upfront and honest that it's going to cost you. But I tell you what, the, the flesh always overpromises and underdelivers, but the spirit will always be open and honest at the cost. But his specialty is over-delivering. The flesh will take you on a path of least resistance. Have you ever seen like an aerial shot of a river, especially a New Zealand river? They're like this. Because water always takes the path of least resistance. Like you look down at a river, it's like, where were you going? It's like, I don't know, wherever's downhill. <laughs> and I tell you, a downhill life will always lead to our downfall. It will always lead you to low places. When our desire in our soul is actually high places, it's more. I read this quote that Bill Johnson um, had shared on Revival. And if you don't know what revival is, it's used to describe like a spiritual awakening with a group of people or with a person, things coming alive. And he said, perhaps the greatest repellent to revival is that we're satisfied without it. And you know, I believe that the only part of us that is satisfied without revival is the flesh. And the flesh is cool. He's cool with not having revival because revival actually costs us something. Revival takes courage, it takes effort, it takes risk. And so the only part of us that is satisfied without revival is the flesh. It's not the soul, the soul longs for it. It's not the God in us, the God in us knows how to get it. But it's the flesh in us. And I'll tell you that there's only one part of you that is content with being partially free. There's only one part of you content with being spiritually stunted. 
There's only one part of you content with living beneath your potential and it's not your soul. Your soul wants more. And it's not God's Spirit in you. God's Spirit in you knows how to get it. It's the flesh. The flesh will always call you to less. You know, on my Spirit-led journey, and it's been a wild ride, (laughs) I've found that it has cost me more than I could have ever imagined. But it's given me more than I could have ever dreamed, ever dreamed. The spirit life will always give us more, the more that our soul craves for. The control we give. The next point is the life you want. The life you want if you're taking notes. You know, sometimes I look back on my times of stupidity And I think, wow, that was remarkable. Lord, what was going on there? (laughs) And maybe you think the same. You look back and you're like, eh, wow, that that was something else. And sometimes I'm like, God, how could I have been so stupid? And and I felt like he was saying, well, look at who you were following. (laughs) See, our flesh demands to be the centre of everything. Our flesh will rebel against anyone and anything that has a better and higher way to live. It will cause us to want to run away from the things that are good for us. And so how can we be surprised when we end up someplace really dumb? Now, there's been times in my life where there's been people that I've looked up to, people in authority, people that have preached the Word of God, people that have just, you know, just preached about the best ways to live and they seemed, they had such an amazing calling and anointing. And then all of a sudden there's like the scandal that breaks out and they've made such a mess of their life. And you think, and it's left me shocked. And I'm like, God, how? How did they get from there to there? And then I have to remember that there's a wrestle within all of us and there's a flesh that never quits. And so in an attempt to take something quite serious and real and make it a little bit lighter and and stickier for you, I got this t-shirt made up. So you can think about every time you're following the flesh, you might as well be wearing this. (laughs) I'm with stupid. Because to put it bluntly, it's going to take you to a really dumb place. (laughs) A really dumb place. And I think I'm just too over it to try and say it in a nicer way. (laughs) Because too many times I have seen good people who know God, who have been in church, who are called, and I've seen them start to give ear to the flesh and to end up just so far from where God has for them. And I'm sick of it. And I don't want any one of us to be deceived into giving ear, into giving control to the wrong voice in our life. The future you dream of, the Spirit knows how to get you there. The Spirit knows how to get you there. The flesh is a completely insufficient leader for anyone who carries the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. 
If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. The most common prayer I get asked is a prayer for guidance. Because I think most of you, if not all of you, you actually just want the future that God has for you. You actually just want to be where He wants you to be. You actually, you just want to be there. You want to go where His blessing is. And the question is, the tricky part is, how do we get there? But there's this amazing verse in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. It says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person or the soul of that person, which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given to us from God. Isn't that amazing that no one can comprehend the mind of God except the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God is in us. And so if you want to get to the future that God has for you, all you need to do is follow the Spirit that knows how to get there daily. And I tell you, this is not, perfection is not the goal. This is not going to be a perfect walk. In our house, we don't say practice makes perfect. We say practice makes progress. Because I don't do the Spirit-led life perfectly. But that's not my goal. Progress is my goal. That each year as I blow out the candles, I am closer to the likeness of Jesus because I am on the progress path.